Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell them you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have got an author, coach. You say, Brian, you have a lot of authors and coaches on. These people tend to have perspectives and they tend to have gone through some things. And they've got an opportunity and a way to help others. And so this is just another one of, of an incredible story. I'm telling you, buckle up, get you a cup of coffee or something, get you a hot tea. Look, 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 like I got it. Like I like got get, get you up, get you, get you a cup of hot tea and just settle in because we've got a powerful conversation coming your way with my guest today. Tim Winders joins me on the Intentional Courage podcast. Tim. How are you after I totally butchered and fouled up that introduction? And we will not edit that out, by the way. It will just it will just go forth as it came forth out of my mouth. How you doing today, Tim? Man, I'm doing great, Brian. It's great to talk to you. And uh, we're doing well. Had a good conversation before you clicked on record. Hopefully we didn't get all the good stuff out. But uh, no, yeah, we, coming to no, you no. coming to you from the passenger seat of uh, our uh, motor coach, Theo. So happy to be here with you and the encouragers. I love that, man. The, the you know, it, this is a beautiful thing, how, how podcasts get done. And you, you're kind of seeing, you know, kind of behind the curtain. You can see my, the background of my hotel room. Up, up here in Garden City, New York. I'm in, I'm in a hotel room. You can see the couch and everything. If I were back in my studio in West Virginia, I'd have my Intentional Encourager podcast virtual background and things like that. But you're in an RV, and it, it's a beautiful thing how, how we can just come together and, and have a podcast done together. So let's talk about... I've been starting here for the last couple of years because I, I really believe... I really believe, and, I, and I've done a lot of flying the last several weeks, and I don't have to wear a mask on a plane, which I am so grateful for. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Take me through the last couple of years for you and your family and your business, some lessons that you've learned or a, a lesson or two that you've learned, Tim, that will carry through after everything is said and done. 
because I, I really feel like people we we have we have really I hope we have pulled some lessons learned out of the last couple of years that we go we want to do this better or we don't ever want to do that again. What what are some things that that really stick out to you from your life in your business? Yeah, and there's a number of things. And I is it okay if we just go deep right out of the gate? I don't care. Here, yeah, Brian, you're, you're because, the guest. Uh, go as deep as you want to go. Yeah, I've got, because I had kind of a fluffy answer, but then I've got the real answer that uh, I think would be beneficial. My wife and I have been nomads traveling since 2013. We could talk more about how that happened shortly, but we weren't sure what was going on, what God was doing in our lives, why we were essentially homeless we like the word nomad it just sounds better maybe it just makes us feel better it makes us seem like we're abraham and sarah or something like that but uh you so we don't go nomads. having kids in your old age that's the that's the thing to abraham well and sarah. let me just say if i have a kid at the age i'm at with what i've been through we won't get into the technical details but it would be quite miraculous <laughs> well and and i and i've said the same thing i i have said this i have said if 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 I came home and my wife all of a sudden said we're gonna have a baby at fifty and fifty two, I would just be like, oh no. <laughs> I'm fifty eight. I'm fifty eight, so yeah. it's even more so. But yeah. So so we we were traveling and uh, and digging it, learning a lot about ourselves, and some of it was really cool. Some of it was really challenging because we didn't really have a lot of financial means at that point. We had just coming out of being kicked out of our large home and also going through bankruptcy and all, which was very, very challenging. And, and we weren't really sure we were followers of Christ. We were digging into the word. We weren't really sure what God was doing with us. But a few years later, and we did Australia, New Zealand, we traveled all over uh, at that time. We weren't in an RV at that point. We, as best I can tell, you can't take an RV across the Pacific Ocean. Some people well, you may have can tried, if but... you if you retrofit it with with amphibious equipment, and you you really, you know, if you're really good, or or maybe you ferry it over there or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I don't. You could yeah. ferry it. I know somebody that 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 shipped their RV over to Hawaii one time, which is interesting. I asked them, how much was that? And I think they told me it was like 24,000 bucks or oh, something. Oh my word. And I went, well, I said, they said it's cheaper to do that than to try to buy one on the island for what they were trying to do. They bought some wow. land or something. But, so anyway, so we were traveling and we ended up feeling like we were led to Bible school up in the Colorado mountains. We went to Bible school for a couple of years. And Brian, when we finished up Bible school, this is like a good little marriage tip right here for anyone. My, my wife was spending some time in prayer. We were spending time in prayer, just trying to decide what the Lord wanted us to do next. And we were having, we had financial resources that were just flowing back into us at that time. So it wasn't as if it was a real financial decision. It was just, what does God want us to do? Decision. Yeah. We, we had done a lot of things on our own and we just wanted at that stage of our lives to basically walk in whatever path, the perfect will that God had for our lives instead of him allowing us to do whatever we thought was the right thing to do. And so she came out of, I think she'd been in the shower and she was getting ready and came out. She goes, I think the Lord told me uh, while I was in the shower that we are supposed to travel again. We'd been in a, living in an apartment for a couple of years. And she said, I really think we're supposed to get an RV. Well, Brian, you've been married a few years. I'm, I'm hitting, I'm about to hit 34 years myself. 
And there's just some things you learn. And one of the key things you learn is when to say something and when not to. I'm not always good at that. I'm sure you're a pro. I'm sure all the one, all the guys oh, listen. No, no I, am, I am far from a pro. No, listen. I, yeah, I, I'm a, I I'm kept a, my face. I kept my face stoic. Well, you were you, one you of were the talking about. Ever. You were like, I listened to your. I listened to a, a couple of episodes, and you got this radio voice. I'm like, listen, my wife does not care what my voice sounds like. She does not care. You know, she she's like whatever. You know, but yeah, you're you're right, but. I got to ask you this. Let me jump in here. This is a good place to jump in. Your wife has this moment. And obviously, the Lord doesn't, for those of you that are not Christians, it, it's somewhat uncommon for the Lord just to start, just kind of have that boom moment that you're talking about without having some deep prayer and and preparation mentally for that moment for that season for that time because you know and 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 the reason i jumped into him i don't want people to be confused and then them say well the lord just spoke to her like like lightning bolt i'm sure your wife had you guys had been praying before i i i'm trying to put myself in that moment i would have to think there was a lot of prayer and and things like that around that but your wife gets out of the shower and she said, I think we're supposed to travel. How did that yeah. hit you? How were, were you excited? Because some people, you know, some people love to travel. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's, you know, let's hit the road together and things like that. And some people, that's the most foreign concept. You know, they, they, you know, they, there are some people that I know that have never been out of our state, the state of West Virginia. And so again, how did that hit you from that standpoint of, I think the Lord wants us to go travel? Well, because I, I think because we had been traveling and it, it was a great clarification too on, I sometimes forget when you, we make a comment like she thinks the Lord told her and all, and listen, sometimes it's more of a whisper or a thought or a nudge. And you're right. There was a lot of time spent in quiet saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And so you try to have some confidence that the voice you're hearing is him nudging us along, but we'd been traveling. We'd been, we'd been moving around since 2013. We had gotten rid of everything we owned. And uh, so we'd been on the road and we enjoyed that. And uh, the thing she brought up was that we wanted to do it again, but we didn't like unpacking, packing. We were actually house sitting is what we were doing primarily. We were, get this, Brian, we were living in homes that we didn't build, that we didn't pay for, that we didn't pay the bills. We just walked in and they were stocked and all of that. So we were, we were sort of, we called it promised land housing is the way we were living as we traveled before then. But she said, I think we're supposed to get an RV. And the, the wise thing that I did was I didn't respond because the joke is I couldn't even spell RV. I knew nothing about them. I'd never camped or traveled or anything like that when I was growing up. But I, I will say this, there's something about being mobile, especially in a world that we, we have a tendency to get really comfortable in one place that really stretches you and really makes you, the word we use is it nourishes the soul. And we like to go places and do things that nourish our souls. So the answer to your question is it wasn't as much the travel, 
that was a little concerning to me. It was the RV part <laughs> that was concerning to me. And so well, that's, that's what your I home had on to... wheels. I mean, you're responsible, Tim, for maintenance. You're responsible for um, anything and everything. And an RV is not an easy thing to care for because it's very technical. Um, it's not like your car where the engine is up front. Typically, the engine's in the back. There are a lot of hoses and you have to, to hook up a generator and you have to have toilet and shower facilities. You have to be able to do a lot of different things. How do you feel like it challenged you? Because I'm not a real technical guy. I, I need somebody to help me with the technical stuff. How do you feel like that challenged you and helped you grow and expand maybe as a, as a coach and as a, as a, as professionally, were there some things that you learned that helped you professionally to work with clients in owning an RV? Yeah. Well, one thing is YouTube's awesome. You could actually learn a lot from YouTube. I'll say that, but I, you're exactly right. I mean, listen, I'm sitting on a truck chassis and I've got, I've got water, sewer, HVAC, AC units on the roof. There's a lot going on here and it is really just a box. There is nothing aerodynamic about this structure at all. So the, the, the two things that I would say that have stretched me are the first thing is, is you really learn that you're not in control. And I don't know about you. I think a lot of us have varying scales or the, we're on the spectrum of wanting to control what's going on in our lives. You kind of recognize with a lot of this that you probably aren't in control. And we really probably aren't in as much control as we'd like to think we are. But that's probably why a lot of people will get real comfortable in wherever they are, their location, geography, and they'll go the same way to work back and forth, back and forth, never venture out because they're comfortable with it and they can control it. Or at least they have the illusion that they control it. So that's one thing there. The second real big thing that I needed, and I believe we all need more of, especially people that are leaders, business owners, people that are running something, ministry or something like that, and that is patience. And we know that patience is a virtue. We also know it's, uh, you know, a fruit of the spirit, and we know that there's a lot to patience, but we really are an impatient species. <laughs> and I mean, and so when you are in this type of vehicle, you have to be extremely patient. Like tomorrow, I'm going to be finishing up a podcast interview myself. And then right when I'm done, we've got to break down very quickly, bring the slides in, get the, the satellite off the roof, you know, unhook the water, the sewer, all of that. And I've got to get over to the shop to drop the RV off because I'm having some work done. And that work is done on our house. So guess what? Tomorrow night, we don't have, well, I say we don't have a place to stay. We're going to go stay in a, in, a, in a hotel downtown here. We're in Rapid City, South Dakota right now. So we've got a place to stay. But our home will be parked in a shop for a night or so. And, uh, and you know what? Here's the thing that my, everything in me wants to do. I want to get in a rush because I want to get it there. So all the work can be done in a day and a half. But Brian, I, I've got to be patient because the minute I get in a hurry is when something challenging could happen. So 
lack of control, learning patience. Those are the two big items that well, and, I've got that benefit everybody. Well, and here's the thing, Tim. I, I love what you said there about the maintenance of life. Okay. And I heard Dave Ramsey say this years ago. I want to give him credit for saying it because that's where I heard it. If you don't take care of yourself, you know, you've got entrepreneurs that, 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 you know, they wear it as a badge of honor. I work 20 hours a day, things like that. And Ramsey said this, he said, guess what? If you don't learn to take care of yourself, life and your body is going to force you to do that. And it's the same thing with, with your house on wheels. If you don't get this regular maintenance done on that, guess what? You're going to be on the side of the road, probably somewhere in Ohio or somewhere like that. Maybe you end up in West Virginia. God knows where in West Virginia. And the cell service is spotty, and it's about 100 degrees outside, and you're going to be forced to take care of something you could have taken care of. That's a great transition. I want to talk about your new book called Coach. It comes out, um, it comes out right around the time that this podcast will be releasing, May 17th. It comes out. And it's it, it's called A Story of Success Redefined. You don't have, and, and I don't say that, I don't say this this statement negatively, but you don't have the skill to fix your own RV. There's some things you probably have learned to do. You mentioned that with YouTube. But to do the things that you're taking it into the shop for, there's a reason you took it into the shop. When we think about regular maintenance and working on ourselves and coaching ourselves, what have you found to be the most difficult challenge for folks to try to coach themselves, whether it's in, in times of good or challenging times? Self-awareness. Really, that's an easy answer. We really do not have a grasp of evaluating ourselves. It's tough to do. There's a term I use quite often called thou shall not fool thyself. It sounds scriptural. It's probably not, but we could probably find some scripture that would back it up. But thou shall not fool thyself. This is what we, we have a tendency to do, Brian. We have a tendency to look at other people and compare. We have a tendency to look in the mirror and either elevate ourselves higher than we should be, or, and I, I could argue which one of these are worse, or put ourselves down lower than we should be, instead of looking at ourselves and really being able to assess. It's one of the reasons why I believe there is value in of mentorship, discipleship, coach, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's why we need each other. I think it's why we need to have conversations with others, either in the form of coach, mentor, something like that, so that we can be able to see our blind spots. <laughs> we be able to see the things that we uh, are possibly fooling ourselves with. And, and so I, 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 I said it real quickly, and I'll say it as we kind of wrap up here. Self-awareness is the biggest challenge that we all have. And it's so easy for us to fool ourselves when we isolate and, and, and really separate ourselves from either community or individuals, mentors, coaches, things like that. And that's actually, that's really part of my story that occurred after 08 when we were going through a downturn was instead of reaching out to people that could have maybe helped me get out of it sooner, 
I isolated and a lot of reasons for shame and guilt. And I can't believe we're going through this and all of that, but I didn't have the awareness to recognize I needed to be reaching out because I was the coach, you know, I was, I was thinking I needed to have the answers pretty arrogant. Uh, but that's, that's where I was. So self-awareness is the answer to that question. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car, whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for Profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement. And you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, and here's the thing, Tim, and I'll say this. There coaches and and, and 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 I I am not trying to to paint with a broad brush here. I I am I am merely using this for contextual purposes. Okay. There seems to be a a just an absolute plethora of coaches. You know, and and I'll get emails and things like that. Have you considered being a coach? Have you? The answer is no. I haven't considered being a coach. I had one guy that reached out to me and asked me to coach him. I told him what I required. I never heard from the guy. And again, that's okay. It wasn't what I'm supposed to do. But Tim, it just feels like every other. And I'll equate it to this, okay? And I I do not mean to insult anybody. I'm just saying this is my this is kind of how I perceive it, kind of how it looks to me. It reminds me of Amway salespeople in the 80s. And if you're a kid of the 80s like me, you know, your aunt, your uncle, your your, your neighbor was selling Amway, trying to make a little extra money. I'm selling Amway, you know, we buy some Amway, you know. Things like that. Or you get a phone call from, hey, I'm selling sweepers door to door. Make a little extra money. Will you help me, you know, do a demonstration? Things like that. Where do you see coaching? Because you, you've, wrote, you've written a book about, about it. So I want to I pick your brain for just a few minutes. Where do you see the real value today in coaching and coaches in, in, in business professionally, spiritually, where do you see that value of a coach? I, I want to say right out of the gate that 
I do agree the word, like so many words we have in our culture society today, has been overused. And, and it's very interesting you bring it up. I almost get to the point because I have coach and part of my title on LinkedIn. It's almost getting to the point where I can't go to LinkedIn because I get so many messages from people wanting to coach me, a coach, on how to have a six and seven figure, blah, 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 whatever. Um, go ahead and preach I, there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very... <laughs> So I get the same thing with people that, that tell me the, the, with podcasting. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, if you're, if you're so good at the six and seven figure thing, why are you having to go to other people? Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Sounds a little cynical. No, I, I love it. I love it. Go, so, you, so both, take a couple minutes my, and pre, you know, if you want to yeah, preach yeah, yeah. on that, take a couple I'm going to rail and, a little bit. Both my yeah. parents were educators. Both my parents were teachers. And from the earliest thing I could remember, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. And I thought I wanted to do it in athletics. I wasn't the greatest athlete. I loved sports, but I wasn't the greatest athlete. And so I wanted to be teacher coach. I think some people have the gene to pull greatness out of other people. I, I really do. I actually heard one of your recent podcasts, and I think you were talking about a coach you had called Huck. Was that his name? Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you were talking about him with the guy you gone to high school with. And uh, and and I I resonated with that because to me, People that are good at coaching are, in many ways, modern-day disciples. I, I think that so many areas in our lives, our churches have not done a great job. Our businesses have not done a great job of building leaders, of discipling people, and raising people up to be prepared to do whatever the Lord has for them to do next. I consider coaching true coaching to be that disciple role in our modern day culture. And when I wrote the book, the original title was called Counselor because there's a mysterious character. It's a novel, by the way. It's not a how-to book. I do think that people will get value out of it. Probably men, maybe more than women, but it really is about going on a journey and having someone that helps lead you upon that journey in a disciple type role. Hey, I gotta jump in here. Please, please forgive me. You're 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 really going. I want to just go a little bit deeper there. Okay. If we if we look at as a Christian, if we look at Jesus, Isaiah 9 6 calls him wonderful counselor. But many people go to the Lord in prayer with be a need meter, be someone that is a provider instead of going to the Lord to your point, And I love where you took us there as a counselor, Lord, what should I do in this situation? And, and it reminds me of what you were just talking about where your wife was saying, I feel like we need to get an RV and start traveling. See, I feel like in that moment, the Lord through her prayers, through what she had, you, you guys had been talking about, was in that moment a counselor to her. It feels like though, we want people to fix us as coaches, that we want, hey, fix me, so that I can go out here and slay giants and things like that. Give me a couple little tweaks it, and fix me. It's even worse go than ahead. that, Brian. Go ahead. I don't think people want to be fixed. I think they want the magic pill. 
I think they want the situation fixed without them being impacted or having to change or do something different or grow or, or be uncomfortable. It's, it's even worse within our culture and society. We are a society that we have put the idol of comfort so high on a pedestal that everything else, sacrifice, pain, growth, all of that, all of that has to bow down to that God we've made, which is the God of comfort. And to be counseled, to be chastened, to improve, to be coached, that actually means that we might get yelled at. Heavens, there might be some of these coaches that use some profanity or I almost hate to say this. I don't think people can track it, but I had a coach in football in high school that had one of these little retractable antennas and he would walk along the huddle when we were sucking air and, you know, breathing and he'd whack our helmets with this little antenna and it would just ring throughout. But, you know, well, now today, you can't even that was in the eighties. That was in the early eighties. <laughs> well, Tim, now you, now, you know, coaches used to, when, when I was in high school and I didn't play football, but I've watched enough football over the years coaches back then would pull the face mask if they wanted to get a hold of a guy they'd pull your face mask and go listen to me you know you're not running this play right or you're you know you're holding on every play and they're not calling it and you're going to get us you're going to get us but yeah we can't you know the the way society is now you know you've got to pat little johnny or little Susie on the head and say no you know quit making mistakes quit quit hey listen you only get five thousand basketball Hey, listen, if you keep getting penalties called on us and we lose yards, we're going to lose the game. Now, would you please not hold every play? Would you please not make, you know, and Tim, it feels like, and I love where you're going there. You're real. You're going there. It's almost like we're afraid to be chastised, to be chastened. When that is a common thing, if you have a deep walk with the Lord, there are going to be times when you're chasing. If you are a successful professional, guess what? There are times if you have a successful business and it hasn't happened to you, guess what? You're getting ready to get reamed by a customer. It's going to happen because you can't please everybody. You can't make everybody happy. Why do you think we have become so reticent? in regards to criticism or as you were talking about hard coaching that is designed to pull mistakes out of you and bring greatness to the surface in most ways yeah the tough the tough thing there brian and i think there's probably parents listening in on this i think i think that we have generationally been been causing this issue we can go back to the 50s. We can even go back farther than that. Pretty much the Industrial Revolution probably got this started. And that is that each generation has done everything they can to make things easier for the generation that followed. And, and every once in a while, there's some swings or there's something that happens that wakes up the culture like a, a war or some event or something that occurs. But, but for the most part, we now are in the mode where we are attempting to make things easy and comfortable. When we started this, you were asking me about the last two years. And I think what the last two years were for many people, not for everyone, it was a wake-up call in that life's not easy all the time. There are challenges and issues that we have to face. 
I'm, I'm coming more and more to believe that if we don't pursue the mentorship, the coaching, the chastening, the whatever words we want to use, the, the growth, the stretching ourselves, the doing things that might be a little bit tough at times, if we don't pursue that ourselves, then I believe life is going to deal it to us. And it's probably going to be pretty darn hard when it's dealt to us. That was the situation I was in. I mean, I was a follower of Christ in 08. We had multiple companies, real estate, all that kind of stuff. Brian lived in a big house, Rich Carlton as a neighbor and all that. And then 08 hit, all of our companies were in real estate. I don't really have to tell the rest of the story, but it was a slow crawl to 2013 when we lost all of that. And that's when we were homeless, bankrupt. Everything we owned was pretty much in a Honda van that had 300,000 miles on it. And that's when we started what I consider we started our journey at that point. The, the way I tell people, and I think this is me really preaching, this is maybe the final, this is right before the altar call, is this. <laughs> I love it. I don't wish what we went through on anyone. However, my wife and I say this to each other all the time. We are so thankful we went through that because we would not be the people today that we are had we not gone through it. You brought up something early that was very fascinating to me. You said people just want, you know, to give or to be provided for. The conversation, and this is a conversation I did believe that I had with the Lord. We were talking about this, and he was pretty stern with me at this point. And he said, I am not an ATM machine. He goes, you and I did some business things. I gave you great ideas, and you went out and did it on your own. And you only came back to me when you needed to make a withdrawal from the ATM machine. He goes, I'm not an ATM machine. He goes, I am your source. I am your power. I want us to work together in all things, in all areas. I want to be Lord over your life everywhere. And I said, okay, I'll do better because I do not like what I just went through. Well, and, and I had a similar situation in, in my circumstance. I was walking through my backyard and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, if you could do it by yourself, you wouldn't need me. And, and that really, I, I could take you to the spot where that was a, that was a stopping moment and, and you just described it you kind of stop in your tracks when you hear things like that you know and and you just kind of realize that you know i've kind of taken our relationship for granted a little bit and you know you 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 don't consult you know this is the lord you don't consult me but when you want something to happen, you ask me to do it instead of consulting me about it. I wanted, I got it. I got it. I got to go here before we tell you, I've got to ask you this as you're writing your book, because I, I, I know when I wrote people buy from people, I had a moment like this. Did you have a moment when you were writing your book that what you wrote even surprised you? I even had a more divine moment where I felt as if there were parts of the book that were writing itself without me. And I literally was wondering if I was the writer or if the Holy Spirit was writing through me. It was a very odd 
sort of out of body experience. I hope we didn't just freak anybody out. Even we probably freaked them out earlier. So if they really, if they're still with us, I literally, there were parts of it that Brian, I was like going, I don't know where this came from. Now I think there's parts of me. Again, this is a fictional story. Um, you know, a, a business owner going through a very difficult time and I'll just go ahead and warn people. It's not as much of a shock in chapter one, but I will tell you that the main character um, has a gun pointed to his head and he's in a very difficult situation. The rest of the book is his journey coming to identifying what I believe is the foundation of real success for that character. And, and he has a very supernatural revelation inspired mentor that is called, we'll just say coach. Uh, there's actually multiple definitions of the word coach throughout it, but, uh, but I, I, I did at times wonder where things were coming from that were being written. I mean, it's, it's really odd. I was, the inspiration for the story came when my wife and I were on the North Island of New Zealand. We were in the, we were in a little camper van traveling with very little money. We didn't have, we didn't have financial resources, but we were going down to the South Island where we were going to do a house sit for three months. We were going to live in New Zealand for three months. And we started in Auckland zigzagging and Tongariro National Park, Brian, is a, is the national park in the middle of the North Island with a couple of active volcanoes. For anyone who saw Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson one, the conical Mount Doom was the model for that volcano. I mean, that's where he got that, that shape. So I was just, I'm, I'm in the, the camper van and I'm reading out of Matthew 19. I put the scripture down and all of a sudden I get the, uh, the catalyst for the, for the entire story. And the way the Lord revealed it to me, I got the first sentence. I got the last sentence. This is a novel, 70,000 words, first sentence, last sentence. And then I started getting first and last sentences of each chapter because each chapter kind of drops you off a little bit of a cliff and makes you want to pick up again. And, and so I was just getting this and I'm going, where's this coming from? And I was trying to write it down and things like that. So yes, it's very interesting. The, the real odd thing, Brian, if you, if you've been around me for years, I'm an engineer by training, went to Georgia Tech. So I'm an engineer. So pretty methodical, detailed type process guy worked corporate some, and then uh, have been in business all my life and doing various things. And, and, and I think most people would have said I would write a leadership book or, or something, you know, how to do this, or here's what to do, or something nonfiction. I think it shocked me the most. And it would shock others to say, wait, you, you wrote a novel? <laughs> What, what are you, what are you thinking? And I think that's probably the most divine piece in this whole thing was that instead of uh, seven easy steps to becoming a better leader or seven ways of, you know, the ultimate leader or something like that, it's a novel. Now I was interviewed recently and the lady had read the book. She actually read a, a, a an early advanced copy and she said, you know, this, this is an interesting story. She goes, I can see that it's a leadership novel and I'd never heard anyone say that. I never considered it. And then someone else said, it's kind of a business novel. I went, well, you know, maybe Amazon will pick up on that and put it in that category. I don't even think that's there a real category, by the way. <laughs> hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life? Or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? 
I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend Brad Norwood with Dream It Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experienced travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too. And Brad can help you with both of those things. I can't give you any better encouragement than to give Brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com. And when you get there, click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards, trophies, things like that, experiences, and trips like these don't burn up in a fire. Again, go to www.dreamitpro.com today. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, and, and Tim, the reason I ask that is, is because I know for me, I I had all this sales knowledge and all this, I, I had wanted to write a book about the piece of advice that my dad gave me 27 years ago when I first got into sales. He said, son, never forget people buy from people. I got halfway through the writing it. I realized my dad wasn't talking to me about sales. My dad was talking to me about connection and my dad passed away almost 10 years ago. But my dad was really teaching me all those years about connection and that that's why i asked that of authors because i think what happens is especially if it's your first book you write you go through that process and you're like well i want to write a book and you go through that process and there's a moment when you're writing it you go this is really what it's supposed to be about this is really that 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 moment where you're writing it and you go, where did that come from? Right? Just like what you did. I would be remiss though, and and you've been so gracious with your time, but I want to go here for just a couple of minutes. I want, you mentioned 2008 in your story. Your life has had a lot of interesting twists and turns. You're an engineer by trade. You go to Georgia Tech, the rambling wreck. Of Georgia Tech, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I was telling my son, I, I don't mean to get sidetracked. You probably went to school there. You're a little bit older than I am. You probably went to school there in the mid '80s when the when their basketball program was, you know, they had John Sally and Mark Price and and Von Joseph and Dennis Scott. Uh, Dennis Scott played after those guys. I remember when Georgia Tech went to the Final Four with Mark Price and. John Sally and those guys and you know they've 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 kind of struggled to get back to that same level so I think Josh Pastner is probably going to get him there but 08 hits you you're in business and things like that had you kind of been on that trajectory of just moving through life and just kind of you know moving from you know getting your engineering degree to moving into business kind of take me through how that how the 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 setup to that got to be in 2008 if you if you would take a few minutes and kind of let it how did all that 
that come together. It's it's very fascinating to me the steps you took to get from point A to point B. Well, I also look back on some of it and I go, you know what, it probably wasn't me controlling my path as much as I probably would like to think that. Uh, I think it was very interesting that I even uh, went to Georgia Tech. I think I told you earlier, I was wanting to be a teacher and a coach. And the tough thing about that is the reason I didn't is because somewhere around 1980, when I was getting close to getting out of high school in 82, I asked my parents how much money teachers and coaches made. And when they told me, I didn't realize we were poor. I mean, I didn't, I mean, you know, we do not pay our teachers enough money. There's no doubt about that. And so, you know, I live not far down the road. I was just outside the Atlanta metro area, right in the Atlanta metro area. And I, I looked at something in U.S. News and World Report early on. And I said, you know, what can I do to make more money? And four out of the five top most in-demand positions were engineers. And, you know, I was okay in math, okay in science. I said, I'm going to be an engineer. It was that flippant, truthfully, because really I didn't have a lot of a spiritual foundation during that time. I was a real child of the late 70s and 80s, where the best way to characterize it is that movie Wall Street with Gordon Gecko, and you can still see the slick back hair of uh, Michael Douglas saying greed is good. And I was, I was into that, man. That was my, that was where I was headed. So I was pursuing that. And, and, and I had a business while I was at Georgia Tech during that, those golden years you mentioned of uh, Mark Price and all of those, man, that basketball during that time was, was excellent. And um, so by the time I finished up school towards the tail end of the eighties, I was, going to ramp up this company that I had that was doing some work for um, building circuitry and things like that. But I just got married and just built a house. And I said, you know, maybe I should kind of opt for the safe route and go corporate. So went to work corporate with Bell South and I worked there for nine years. But oddly enough, Brian, I knew after two days that I was not cut out for corporate work. <laughs> I knew that I needed to. So you mentioned it earlier, so I'm going to go there. I was actually able to retire from Bell South because we started an Amway business in the early 90s. You brought it up. So I'm going to go I there. I did bring and, it up, man. And so way to hold that, way to hold that that the little nugget in there. And so I'm going to give you one more in. nugget. I'm yeah. going to make give you one more nugget. I was saved in an Amway convention. That's where I met Jesus Christ. I went down front at a convention and all of that. And so anyway, that was a very, um, we did that for years. I, a few years, I was able to leave Bell South. Tail end of the 90s, we went through another tough time. It wasn't as tough as later. And then we started our real estate companies around 2000. And we, we built, I mean, I took my engineering, my process systems. I pulled partners in, had family that had a little bit of a background. And we built some what I thought were very solid companies real estate and we built it up and had some national coaching businesses and had some national lead gen businesses all of that leading into 08 we knew so how does coming. an engineer go into sales you you what you're basically saying tim is that and and, and you know i i've had these conversations with my son who's an engineering major at marshall and he says you know dad i'm not like you i don't want to go into sales you're you know i i want to but you you did it. You went you went into to you went into sales from engineering. 
What was the allure for you about real estate? Because you mentioned the process and the systems, but you know, the way I the way I understand engineers and the way they think, they they are that you guys focus more on the intangible of the setup and real estate's very tangible. How were you able to flip your mind from working with the intangible to the tangible? Well, let's go, let's go way back. Remember what it was that I, ha- I really had a desire to do way back when was I wanted to be a coach, teacher coach. And really that's probably the gene that I have. I think the, I think the reason so many people have a negative connotation of coaches is a lot of people go into it for the profit instead of for the calling. Yeah. That's the big difference. And so we see a lot of people and I'm not going to judge them. It's up to them. I mean, they're the ones that are going to have to, uh, you know, stand before whoever yeah, they stand before. Yeah. And, yeah. And say, yeah, you know, I, I did this cause I was just trying to make me a few bucks. And, uh, and, and I believe that if you do things that you provide a service that you should get paid for it. I'm not saying that at all, but I wanted to be a teacher coach. So when I went to work at a Georgia tech for bell South, I migrated almost immediately into the bell South leadership Institute. I started an Amway business where I was reading books like The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino, who my novel is dedicated to, by the way, who kind of inspired me with that story that has a purpose or that that fiction with a mission that's that's leading you to a path of learning something. So so I don't think it was that big of a stretch because of what I was doing. Maybe I was outside of my scope when I was in engineering. And truthfully, that degree from Georgia Tech was one of the hardest things I've ever done because man, physics, mechanics of deformable bodies, <laughs> some of those classes you know, uh, all of those things, they were tough. And so, so really me moving into, you know, an Amway business, me moving into leadership Institute at Bell South was probably me migrating back to what I was more created to do. Real estate was really just a vehicle that I looked at and it was me still getting a lot of the, you know, reaching for the massive amounts of money and I'm not against money or anything like that. In fact, you know, we have quite a bit coming in, but when I pursue it, this is me, when I am pursuing money, I am not being the person that I was created to be. Yeah. And I have to pursue the assignment that God has for me in his kingdom. And then he will provide me the financial resources and the things that I need to achieve that assignment. That's where I can get off track. And so that's probably what was going on as 08 hit. We were living very, very well. We were in a, in a country club development on a lake with 117 holes of golf, about an hour west of Augusta, Georgia. So we got master spillover traffic off and second largest lake in Georgia, had the boat, the big house, all that kind of stuff. And I did really think from a spiritual standpoint that I was probably just being blessed because I was a good guy and doing what God wanted me to do. And I didn't realize at the time that I still had quite a bit of arrogance that needed to be purged. Well, the next handful of years took care of, I'm hopeful, took care of most of that. Do you you ever wonder if you could go back to 2008 before things and, and, and obviously there are moments when as you look back it's like okay this was the moment when things started moving shifting 
things like that. Tim, if you could go back in time and you could get an hour meeting with yourself, you, you call your younger self and say, we got to talk. Let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. Because you probably got a lot of things on your plate at that time. And getting an hour of your time like that would have probably been very precious. If you could have, if you could go back in time to 2008 before things started happening, what would you have told yourself? How would you have coached you in 2008? Hmm, that's a great question. And really, when I think about it, it's that theme that I've attempted to portray in the novel, which is redefining success. And I want to dig down just a little bit deeper and, and define it in a little bit different way, Brian, that I haven't really talked about much. So this is good that we're digging here. I had an addiction at that time that unfortunately is an addiction that's awarded or rewarded in our culture and society. I wasn't addicted to substance. I wasn't addicted to other women. I wasn't addicted to uh, any of those things. I was addicted to more. And when I say more, whatever I had, I was pursuing more. It was growth. It was more business. It was more properties. It was more uh, gigs where I was out speaking and coaching and maybe another company, maybe another business, all of those things. I was just, I woke up thinking about more. I was not, I mean, I was, should have been content and happy. Tim, is it safe to say you were an opportunity junkie? Uh, I was an opportunity. Yeah, that would be, it would be okay to say, I mean, bright, shiny objects, you know, I'd say, Oh, more, more, more. I mean, uh, I did have mentors and coaches at that time. I was part of a mastermind, but you know, everybody in that mastermind, we would probably say we were addicted to more too. That's the reason we all came together was so we could figure out how to go out and market more, achieve more, accomplish more. And listen, on the surface growth, the kingdom of God is about growth, but it's not about self-absorbed. I'm going to jump to Matthew six. It's not about from Matthew six, 33, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And those things will be added unto you. And it's all those things that are listed in the scripture before that. I actually had it flipped. And I think many people do some, there's someone listening right now that they're going to go, He's possibly talking about me. And I'll tell you this, if you think, if you think I'm talking about you, then I am. <laughs> You're pursuing the things that's at the tail end of Matthew 6, 33 first, instead of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There is an order there that's very important. I was going after the things that I believed in the Lord. I love Jesus, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I had that scripture all flipped around. And if I could tell myself anything, I would say, you're addicted to more. You need to start being more content with where you are. Because the more you pursue, the more you're stretching yourself. And the more you stretch, you're putting yourself out there for a fall. And if you're putting yourself out there for a fall, when things adjust in the real world, which they will, Babylon's always crumbling. There's always cycles in Babylon yeah. that are crumbling. Kingdom of God's not. Babylon is always crumbling. And because we're functioning in Babylon, I don't, I'm not saying we're citizens of Babylon, but we're functioning in Babylon. We are always susceptible. 
if we are pursuing the principles and goals of Babylon, we're susceptible to the falls, the ebbs and flows that go on there. Well, I'm everybody sorry. wants I got, to talk. I got excited and started preaching. No, 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 you're too. good. What you made me think about is that most people, when you when you preach and teach about sacrifice, people go, people kind of go inward and they go, oh man, no, they kind of step, he, he stepped on my toes. As we would say in West Virginia, I stepped on my toes. I can't believe. But when you talk about blessing, everybody's just up and, and you know, like, oh, man, preach on, you know. Because here's the thing, Tim. You, you, I love where you've taken us there. We don't realize a lot of times that sacrifice leads to blessing, not the other way around. You know, give and it shall be given to you. It doesn't say you get it first and then hand it to somebody else because we, we will say, well, I wish I'd win the lottery so I could just feed the poor. That's all I want to do is win the lottery. Jesus, you help me win the lottery. So I, I'm really getting West Virginia here, but, but that's how we're thinking is, well, if I, if I just won the lottery now, I could go help the poor that why didn't the Lord give me money so I can go help the poor because you won't give your last dime to help somebody else. Well, I can't give in that offering. That's my bill money. You're I, I ain't going to be able to go to McDonald's after, after church tonight. I can't go to the Walmarts after church. I, I'm really getting down in the, in the, in the West Virginia weeds. But you I'm from Georgia, I'm from Georgia. I'm got, I've got you, man. I mean, listen, I was, well, yeah, I there's an the S on what, prosperity. You, I hung out in the prosperity gospel and what you're really describing yeah. is what most American Christians have. And, and I know this term riles people up, but they're, they all participate. We have participated in yep. what would be termed the prosperity gospel. We believe that the Lord is an ATM machine. Well, yeah. And from, and from West Virginia South, there's an S on Walmart, you know, they're, plural. They're, that, that, that's exactly right. There's an S on, but, but Tim, I have, I have seen it and heard it for so many years. People talk about, well, if, if, you know, if the Lord gave me this, I would do this. If the Lord gave me that, I would do that instead of doing it first and putting your bread out, casting your bread on the water, according to Ecclesiastes 11. And, and again, folks, I'm not trying to get preachy here. Neither is Tim, but the principles apply to everybody in life, whether you're a Christian or not, it's, it's the law of sowing and reaping. And I'm fascinated by what you were saying there about going back. And that's why I asked the question, if your younger self would have received the wise counsel of Tim today, who had gone through those things, gone through homelessness, gone through business failures, gone through those things. So I want to wrap this up with this. Folks that may be going through struggles right now, maybe they're facing their businesses on the rocks, their their marriage is, is shaky, maybe they're living above their means and, and, and they're really living in a house of cards and, and they wake up going, is this the day that everything's going to come crashing down? Tim, I want you to leave this, this con and you've been so great with your time and we have had this conversation has gone in a different tone than, than I thought it would, but it's been beautiful. It's exactly what it was supposed to be. Give the folks your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Well, I'll, 
it might be tinged with a little correction as it leads to encouragement. So I'll, I'll do it that way. I, I, I sometimes can't not coach. <laughs> I, I want to say to people, especially with the, in light of what you just said, that I do believe that we will have experiences that will mold us and shape us into what we were created to be. I firmly believe that because I don't believe we're born that. I believe life, our journey on this earth is part of that process. And so I think the challenge, and this kind of got me thinking when you were talking about me telling my younger self, and I think a lot of people go through this also, I'm not sure that I would have listened because I think I was a little bit full of myself, unfortunately. There's two ways that people go through significant change and moving towards what they were created to be. Brian, this is my opinion. This is from 58 years and coaching, leading, working with a boatload of people, uh, working with leadership teams of companies and organizations. Two ways that people go through significant change. Number one, a very intentional, focused effort to adjust and make change in their lives. Or number two, a catalytic event will force them to change. Now, a lot of people say, well, maybe it could be a little bit of both. And I know I, my observation is it's one of those two. And what my encouragement and my hope, my prayers are with what I wrote in my novel, with what I coach, with what we do on our podcast, with what you do on your podcast, is that we nudge people closer to that really focused, intentional change that we have a little bit more control over as opposed to waiting for something to happen in life that forces the change. So that may not be as encouraging as one would like it to be, but I will tell you that you can do that. It is possible. It takes listening and learning from people like Brian and people that he brings on the show and others. It takes reading and studying books like Hopefully the novel I just read, I just wrote, or Ogmandino, Greatest Salesman in the World, things like that, that really force you to change. And really it takes effort and getting outside of our comfort zones. You can do it. It's very possible, but you have to be focused and move forward with it. So I hope that encourages. Man, Tim, that is so good. Let folks know how they can connect with you, how they can get the book. Um how they can find your podcast, take a minute and let folks know how they can connect with you and your resources. Sure. Best way to find me right now is timwinders.com, timwinders.com, W-I-N-D-E-R-S.com. And they'll, they can get the book there, find out more about the book and read more about it. And uh, I think it connects to the podcast. Uh, the podcast name is Seek, Go, Create. You can kind of tell that Matthew 6.33 is an important scripture for me. And uh, Seek, Go, Create, they can find it there and all of that. All the podcast players were there. And and the book should be, I believe right now, it's on Amazon. So you could go uh, find it there and probably you're going to be able to find it at all the other book locations. But um, yeah, that's that's where they can connect with me. I look forward to hearing from folks. I mean, I, I love to connect on all the socials and things like that and uh, and interact with people. Go to timwinders.com, W-I-N-D-E-R-S, timwinders.com. And again, the coach book, Coach, A Story of Success Redefined, uh, will be available on Amazon May 17th. 
And so if you want to get more information on the book, go to timwinders.com slash book, timwinders.com slash book. Tim, what an amazing conversation. I so appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.